Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Jennifer Meyer, founder of her 17-year-old namesake jewelry line. Jennifer Meyer has recently expanded to new categories, including fragrance, plus it's recently collaborated with a clothing company hinting at things to come. I wanted to ask Jennifer how she's managed expansion in the current retail climate and how far she wants to grow beyond fine jewelry. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being here. So where are you today? I'm home in Los Angeles. It's, I don't know, 75 degrees or something, maybe 80. It's beautiful. Another beautiful day. I mean, (laughs) if you must. But (laughs) I mean, would you say, like, looking back 17 years in, like, is Los Angeles the place to grow a jewelry business such as yours? Would you have had it any other way? Why, Why did that make great sense for you? You know what? I was born and raised in LA. I've always lived in Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. It's it's my home. It's where my whole family is. It's um, I couldn't have imagined starting a company anywhere else. So, uh, you know, when you start a company that many years ago, you don't really think about what, you know, at the time, you just sort of go for it. You're not there. There was no Instagram. You weren't seeing what other people were really doing. So you just have an idea and you have to hope it works. And it, you know, moving was not an option. (laughs) Yes. Well, it worked out. You were with other brands prior. Um, You have great experience. Um, That what what made you take the leap? What happened in 2005? You know, I, yeah, I had worked for Glamour Magazine. I worked for Giorgio Armani, for Ralph Lauren. I had had all these amazing experiences. And I think secretly, I always wanted to design jewelry. Um, But I went to school for child and family psychology. I had done fashion PR. I had no clue how to design, what it took, not a clue. So, um, I, uh, my boyfriend at the time who then did become my husband, but he said to me, what is it you want to do? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. And he said, everybody has a dream. And so many people are afraid to say it out loud because they think, you know, I'm too far gone. I'm too old. I don't know how to do it. I'll never figure it out. I didn't go to school for this. And I just said, okay, well, I want to design jewelry. He's like, that really doesn't seem that complicated. You could figure that part out. I was like, huh? So I taught myself. Literally, I taught myself. And I was still working for Ralph Lauren at the time um, for a girl named Rebecca McCabe, who now runs Chanel. And I was really open and honest and transparent and very like, you know, I really want to try and do this. So I transitioned into consulting for them and she was really supportive and I was able to feel really comfortable, like really trying to do this. And um, it worked. (laughs) Yeah. We have a lot of entrepreneurs, budding founders who listen to this podcast. First of all, I hear a lot about the white space. Like what were you seeing? What was missing from the market? What did you think you could bring to the table? I really wanted to design pieces that I wanted to wear and that I knew my friends wanted to wear. I thought that, you know, I really wanted classic, beautiful, everyday pieces that would be in your jewelry box forever and that you could layer, that you could keep on, that you could really live in. Um, And I didn't know if it was missing. I just knew I couldn't find it. So I really wanted to make something that I wanted to wear. 
was how it began. And a different go-to-market plan than I guess somebody would tackle today, like, I don't know, start a website and pay Instagram a bunch of money. But um, what would tell me your approach? Was this all about, I, w- I would think like retail partners, wholesale partners. I know you went through like a CFDA Vogue fashion fund, like w- those traditional channels, they were required. Yeah. Or tell me about how, how you Not got this option. thing off the ground. Yeah. Um, I had designed a small collection of pieces And in my head, all I wanted to do was be in Barney's. That was it. Barney's or bust, as far as I was concerned. And I had no clue how to be in Barney's. I just knew, like, I shopped at Barney's. I bought a few things at Barney's. But I had no clue how to get into Barney's. So when I tell you, I asked every single human being, do you know anyone at Barney's who would look at my jewelry? Do you know anyone at Barney's who would look at my jewelry? Everyone was like, "Mm, no, no, no. Randomly, I asked a random friend one day and she said, oh, that's so funny. I'm really good friends with this woman, Julie Gilhart, who does all the buying at Barney. She's actually going to be in L.A. this week. I'll ask her if she'll see your jewelry. I was like, "Okay, cool. Now, there's no Instagram. There's very little information on the Internet. You can't really do research. So. Thank God I didn't know how powerful Julie was at the time. And I get a call from Julie or her assistant and said, she'll meet you at this time at Barney's in Los Angeles. I said, great. I brought all my pieces in Ziploc bags because I felt like, oh, this is perfect. They're not going to tangle. And um, Julie looked at it. She's like, this is great. I really like it. And a few weeks later, I got an order for Barney's. And I really feel like it was like in my head, there was no other option. That was, I had to be in Barney's. So it was like, I put all my energy towards that. And I remember they did a buy and I walked in there and there was like a name, my name was like on a name plaque. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I hope this succeeds. They went through all the trouble to make a name plaque for me. Let's see what's going to happen. Um, and at the same time, I mean, this is, you know, there's so many things, but, but I would say for, for, for that, I guess there's like, if you're thinking about it universally, I guess there's something to be said about really knowing that something is going to happen. Don't let anything deter you or throw you off. Just know like that is going to happen. There might be extra steps to get there, but like, if you want it that bad, like focus, you'll get it. I love that. And that was it. Well, Barney's, may you rest in peace. That's a, such I a know. great story. I mean, talk about the power of Barney's as a launch pad. Is it about, obviously, like you said, like there's only so many channels where you're at Barney's, you get in front of their affluent, influential customer, um, probably celebrity, um, their marketing. Like like what what is the, I guess, halo effect, trickle effect of securing that deal? Listen, you know, I didn't have a website. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have anything. So you have to be in the right places at that time to to be seen, for people to see your product. And you have to really hope that they like it. I got really lucky at the time. I don't know if luck, but, you know, it all, the stars collided. I went into Barney's and at the same time, Jennifer Aniston came out in a movie called The Breakup. And at At the time, Jen and I weren't even 
you know, we weren't friends. And, and she had picked by chance my leaf necklace to wear in the breakup with the leaf earrings and um, some other pieces. So then it was in Barney's, it was on the breakup and it was like leaf mania. I couldn't keep these pieces in. Barney's couldn't keep them in. And it was the beginning of my company and, uh, and the beginning of a lot, the beginning of an amazing relationship with Barney's that lasted years and years. You know, Jen became one of my best friends. Like all these great things happened at once. And I, and you know, but the thing is like, you can have a great launch, right? You, everything can be amazing in the beginning and people love it, but then you got to still make things that people want to buy. They're just not going to buy a leaf for, you know, years and years and years. They're going to want to buy new pieces and expand. So then that's where the, that's where the exciting challenges come in, where you have to, you know, you start building your company and designing pieces that hopefully people will still want to buy and add on to their collection. And I've really grown up with my customer. I mean, you know, yeah, they, they started buying the little leaves and now they're buying, you know, diamond tennis necklaces. I love this. So I'm assuming like you went in, you wanted to design jewelry. You had a vision for this look and feel. Um, Like you said, like you're meeting, now you see demand. You got to meet that demand. You got to grow the company. This was all, this was handmade. Yes. Is I like, what did it take to keep up with demand and, and learn? I guess, was it about, you have experience at brands, maybe not technically learning the ins and outs of the business side, but was that just as appealing to you? Was that daunting when you got in the, in the weeds there? Talk to me about, yeah, I guess, I guess stepping up to the challenge, I guess. I don't really know that when I started my company, there was the term branding or what's the brand or that terminology. I mean, it was sort of like, you consider yourself a designer? Well, we want to see what you can design and it better be amazing. So for us, or for me, it, I was alone. You know, I have I have people that come to me like, oh, I'm starting a company. How many people do I need to hire? I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I didn't hire anyone till I started making money. You know, I was FedExing from my living room floor. I have no idea. So it was trial and error every day and a real process of like, okay, Barney's is ordering this many things. I got to deliver because if you don't deliver by a certain date, your order is canceled, you know? And the thing is with jewelry, it's such a, I didn't realize this when I began, but it's a really expensive investment and you have to invest your money and do that where then you have to hope that people buy it. So it's a real balancing act. Oh my gosh. It really sounds, yeah. Anyway, like you stepped up and you figured it out. Let's fast forward to like nowadays, like, like you said, people want newness all the time, like staying inspired. Are you still driving the creative? You're driving the design. Has this been a challenge um, in the last two and a half years? No, I mean, yes, I still do all the designing and I still drive that. Um, I have an amazing team now of, of, people that work with me that are just awesome. Um, But, you know, I think, I don't want to say like stay in your lane because I think that there's something about like everyone can like join each other. There's room for everybody. But I think that when you have a vision and 
you know what you believe is is that vision and how it's going to grow and how you want to deliver and I think you've got to stay focused, like keep your eye on the prize. Don't let the noise come in. Just know that like you have a vision, you want it to be great and know your customer and know yourself, you know? So I think like for myself, you know, in the last two and a half years, obviously for everyone has been an incredible challenge, but I just kept designing and doing the pieces that if I don't want to wear it, it's not going out. Like there are plenty of pieces I've designed that I've then worn for the week to see. And I'm like, no, we're good. It's done. I stick to what I know I love and what I think my clients will love. For sure. Who would you describe as your client? Who's your shopper? That's a good question. Um, Well, I mean, the woman is like classic and effortless and just like is loves pieces that speak to her, that become a part of her body, that she doesn't have to think about every morning. You know, I say like women, like we're extraordinary. We wake up in the morning, we're like jumping in a shower, we're, you know, either we're getting our kids off to school or we're getting ready for work and there's an outfit and a purse and a bag and we handle a lot of stuff, right? So I'm like, who has time every morning to like decide what necklace they're wearing and what earrings are going to go with the necklace and what rings? It's sort of like... I want pieces that just stay with you, stick with you, that you wear forever. So she's effortless. She's classic. She's awesome. She's strong. She knows herself. And she loves, you know, she she's a jeans and t-shirt kind of girl and can dress it up at night, you know? I have the most incredible men as clients too. And I don't do a lot of men's jewelry, but these men who come in and want to buy pieces for their significant other, it's... Obviously, women are buying women jewelry, but, you know, these men who don't really know jewelry, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. You know, they're they they take so much pride and they love to pick out these pieces with me. And it's so fun to watch and how happy they want to make this this woman, you know. Yes, for sure. Well, I think of you as a fine jewelry brand. And you mentioned how, um, you know, some of your customers have really grown up with you. Um as time goes on, like, what do you know, first of all, about their loyalty, how many people have been with you for years and, you know, is, is attracting maybe a new, maybe a young customer? Is that about maybe shaking up the price points? How would you describe? Yeah, I guess the age, the demo. Listen, I am a fine jewelry brand, so there's only so much you can do with price points. You know, I design everything in 18 karat gold. It's all precious stones and it's designed to last you forever. So it's an investment, but, and, and listen, there's price points for, for, you know, everybody not, okay. That, that might be an aggressive statement, but there's the price points. I mean, I have studs for $200 and then, you know, a necklace for a hundred thousand dollars. So there's, there's, it runs the gamut of course, but I think that, you know, like, like you said, it's like, I grew up with so many of these women who were purchasing my jewelry when they were just, you know, doing their first little investments and now their friends and their daughters. And it just sort of keeps going. It's like the cycle of life. It's beautiful. And I have so many people that come up to me on the street and they're like, this piece, you know, my mom bought me 10 years ago and I still wear it every day. And everyone has a story. 
I feel so naked here with my little mini necklace over here. Are you are you all decked out in your jewelry? Do you have everyday pieces? What are you wearing today? Okay, that's it's actually embarrassing today because I literally I can't, today was one of those days where I didn't change any jewelry or put anything on because it was one of those mornings that first of all yesterday we had a huge photo shoot and whenever I have a photo shoot, I swear to god, I come in with all this jewelry and I'm stripped of it literally stripped of it. I can't explain it. But, you know, I always have like an ear full of of earrings and I always have a necklace on and this is like a one of my gold beaded tennis necklaces. I actually feel naked without my good luck charm, but someone literally snatched it off my body yesterday. And this morning was, you know, taking two kids to school and so many things happened and I was like okay, I just got to jump in a shower and I got to be prepared for my podcast, you know? So this was my priority. This was my priority. And I always have a wrist full of bracelets that each one means something to me. I mean, there's, there's probably 13 bracelets here and I can explain each one. I love this. Well, talk to me. We're going to talk about expansion. You're obviously venturing into brand new territory, but expansion to date, you mentioned men's jewelry. I'm sure you didn't start with earrings, necklace, bracelet, the whole kit and caboodle. Like, how has that, I guess, progress been, that transition to maybe a full line, st- slow and steady? Slow and steady wins the race. It's how I always think of things. And, and you know, you just... I guess the way my brain works is like when I design something that I love, what let's say it's a necklace and my brain automatically goes to, does this translate into a bracelet? Does it translate into an earring? Does it translate, you know, into a ring? Like how can this become a full collection? And let me tell you something, it not, not it doesn't always happen like that. There's some certain pieces where I'm like, this is a one and done. Like this is a necklace and I don't want to make it into anything else, but so many times these collections are birthed through one small idea. Yes. And does it hit with like hit with a bang with a pow? Like how do you get that out in the world? Is it about an Instagram moment? Like what what does the launch look like? That's a good question. I think something that I really um, love that I concentrate on within my jewelry is that everything is part of each other. It's sort of like a flow. So you can have 15 pieces and they really all really go together. It's a, it's a real collection. It's a real story. So for me, it all blends. I think that people are, um, with the Instagram, with the launch. Yes. Instagram is the greatest marketing tool on the planet. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, it is amazing. So there's plenty of time that we'll launch on Instagram or, you know, sometimes it'll be a special launch with another store or online or, you know, there's really no formula that I'm keeping. I just sort of do what feels best at the time. Tell me about your marketing mix, your marketing spend. Like, has this changed in terms of like the privacy laws and all of this stuff? I'm hearing people are pulling back from Instagram. It's maybe not as effective as it once was. But yeah, where where is it worth it for you to to invest in terms of marketing? Again, like when I began for the first so many years, there was no marketing. Like you didn't pay for marketing. And you had said like, oh, CFDA, Vogue. I mean, when I did the CFDA and I won my, you know, CFDA award and had a full page in Vogue and Anna Winter on on email and DVF became my mentor, like 
you couldn't pay for that marketing. That was incredible. And it really launched everything um, in a different way. But now I think that, you know, it's a good question. First of all, don't spend money that you don't have. I really believe that. Or be very conscious about it. You know what I mean? However you do it. But there is a way to do things without overspending and being really slow and really conscious and really know your moves. I still think that Instagram is the best marketing tool, personally. I think it's, I mean, I I think it's amazing how, what you can show on there, what you can do. And really, you can do some of it without spending any money. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, make your page great. Make your photos great. Like, do your videos, do your reels. I'm not great at it. I hate it for myself. I hate doing reels. I hate doing videos. It's so out of my comfort zone. But when I do it, I see the direct results. So build there before you're, you know, spending all your money on marketing anywhere. But for us, I would say, you know, it's Google ads. It's the retargeting. It's Instagram. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. You're saying some very valuable things here. I felt I like that you even talked about that at your at your launch. Like I didn't want to do anything more until I was making money. Talk to me about yeah. Are you own? Do you own the company? Have you as fundraising come into the mix? The importance of profitability. I own my company a hundred percent. I've never raised a dollar. Um, I saved my own money uh, by working at Ralph Lauren and um, being really careful about how I spent my money at that time and how I made money at that time to be able to start my company. I started my company on less than $10,000. That was it. And um, I did have to borrow um, $25,000 when I got my Barney's order because I did not have that money to fulfill my Barney's order. And that money was paid back, I think, within six months. So I don't owe any money. I own my entire company. I've never had an investor. And from that day forward that I began, we've been more and more profitable every single year. That's fantastic. Well, tell me about 17 years in, the slow and steady growth, the prioritizing profitability. Like, are you where you, you know, where you'd like to be 17 years in? Is What's the state of the company, the state of growth? Um, are you ready to maybe push the gas and go crazy? <laughs> How would you describe it? Listen, I still really love what I do. And I, you know, love my company. And just last week, we moved to our third offices that are like, you know, first one was this big, second one was, you know, double, this is quadruple. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things like, I love tangible stuff. So when I see it, I feel it, you know? And um, I feel like we're kind of pushing the gas every day. And I really love what I'm doing. I don't want to stop anytime soon. I just want to keep on going and keep expanding and see where it takes me. But yeah, profitability is super important. You know, I have a lot of mouths to feed. And the only way the company makes money is when we sell jewelry. And so it's really important for me to continue to make things that 
I love and that are made exceptional and, you know, that people want to continue to invest in. Yes. And now that includes fragrance. Why did fragrance make sense? You know, I, it's crazy. I love fragrance. And if you ask anybody, like from the time I was 16 years old and driving around, like I had Bath and Body Works spray in my car and spraying everything and myself. And I just think like smelling good is like so important. I know everybody thinks that, but really like I love to smell good. I love to smell clean. And I always smell people like there's something about it. I have candles burning everywhere and I love fragrance. And when this idea, you know, I always thought I would design a fragrance, but I had, again, had no clue. And over COVID, this idea came about and I started smelling fragrances, fragrances, left, right, center. And I was like, oh, I'm going to design my perfect, clean, beautiful fragrance. And I grew up on the beach and I wanted that feeling, that scent of like, you've just been in the sun all day. It's like your little tan. You feel sexy, good about yourself. It's like coconutty, strawberry, like delicious, just, and, and it came to fruition and I love it. I love this space. I want to do more in this space. I plan on doing more in this space. And it felt such a, like such a um, great parallel for the jewelry because jewelry is, you wear jewelry. It's about you. It, it gives a feel, you know, like you can see, you can tell a lot by somebody by some of the jewelry that they wear. And I feel like that's the same with scent, you know, it's just, just sort of a natural progression for me. Yeah, like a signature move. Do you think, like, I don't know if you're able to share, but like, if you go deeper, you're more interested in this space. Like, is it going to be more toward, I know, like, like, like home, like, like fragrance? Is it beauty? Is it fragrance? Is it home? Like, what part of fragrance do you want to delve into, I guess? I don't think I'm, I mean, I think the beauty space that people are doing so well in, you know, I mean, it's like, there's a new brand all the time and they're all amazing. So I'm not going to start making concealers just yet, but, um, yeah, I think continuing in that scent world, whether it's home or body, I'm exploring it all right now, but there is, it's, I can't stop. That's the sort of the problem with me. Like once I begin something, it's just like, it's, there I go. It's like the train has left the station. I love it. So you mentioned the bigger office, the yeah. bigger company. <laughs> You're growing, growing. Tell me about, first of all, is everyone coming into work every day? How are you keeping folks engaged and connected in the last couple of years? Like leading a company through this whole darn thing. Um, everything's really, again, been shaken up. Um, yeah. what, what's been your experience? You know, it's interesting because some people... Um, I, my team is amazing and they show up every day and they're there and they're committed and I feel really blessed. I mean, I know that's, I, I hope that doesn't sound like, oh, I'm so blessed, but like, I really am. I feel super lucky. They're an amazing group of women and they kill it. And, you know, with jewelry, it's like, it's gotta be, you gotta touch it. You gotta look at it. You gotta make sure it's perfect. We look at every single piece before it goes out to a customer, you know? So everything comes through our offices. Like we're not just like sending out from like, you know, a DC We're we're focused on it. And, and so I need my team there. And yeah, there's, there's definitely other, you know, there's like 
a person or two who decided to move in the pandemic and, you know, you just, you just make it work if you want to, do you know what I mean? And if they're committed and I just have the most committed team. So I'm really lucky. So the people that are there are just on fire and the people that are doing the remote stuff are on fire and it's all worked out. Good for you. You mentioned, obviously, you're no longer selling at Barney's. Where are you selling? Where are sales happening? I know. <laughs> um, well, I would say Neiman Marcus and Bergdorf's replaced Barney's, so to speak. And, the you know, so those are newer accounts, but they're on fire and doing incredible. And then we... Um, you know, we're at Net-A-Porte and I mean, you know, Yelang. There's so many great boutique stores and, but, um, and on our own site, you know, our site is doing phenomenal, which is, that would be my, my advice for anybody is like, make sure your, your own channels are really, really strong. That really is the game changer. Were people shopping during the pandemic? We're on Zoom. You want to show off your, your I don't know, earrings, necklace. That's all everyone's seeing every, every day. But yeah, was business up? Business did great for us during the pandemic. I have to be honest. We got very lucky. Um, we, uh, I had launched a brand new collection right when, you know, we all were in lockdown. I was like, whoa. How am I going to do this? And you want to be really conscious about what's going on in the world. You know what I mean? And not be like, and buy jewelry. Like, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? We all have, we all need to work. We all like, whether you have a company or you're an employee or whatever the case may be. And like, it's unfair for me as a business owner to not try and make my business successful and have to, you know, fire everybody. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I made the decision and we launched our new collection like in, I think it was March or April of the pandemic. And I would say it was like one of my biggest collections ever at the time. And meeting demand, like your supply chain was, you know, I'm sure there were hurdles, but overall, talk to me about challenges there. Yeah. I think that, you know, as you get to know your own brand and you get to know your, for us, you know, I knew that there were certain pieces that were going to take longer. And there were certain pieces that you could, you know, bang out quicker. So I think that that goes to what your relationships are with your stores, with your customers, with your clients, and being able to be really open and transparent and say, listen, I know there's a date, there's like a, a date that everything has to be in by, I need a this is the grace period that I need for this amount of pieces or whatever it is. And when you have a good relationship with people and you've proven yourself and you've showed like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show up. I'm going to, it's all going to be there. Then they're more than happy to oblige, you know? So it was just a lot of being honest and open communication and working really closely with our team and our manufacturers and our jewelers and making sure that everything sort of, went as planned as best you can, you know? It felt like a roller coaster. Everything for a minute there, I was like, it's all about direct to consumer because like that's all that was happening. That's the only way to sell. And then, you know, everybody, it seems a lot of folks, brands are going back into retail channels um, and stressing the importance of those relationships. Again, as marketing is in flux with new laws, um, opening stores is happening left and right. Like, anyway, what's the ideal breakdown in terms of direct versus wholesale? 
own versus <laughs> third party. Listen, I really, really, really appreciate my wholesale partners. And I started my business with my wholesale partners. I have been with Net-A-Porte for 12 years or something crazy like that. And they've been an amazing partner. And Neiman's, albeit they're new, has been an insanely incredible partner. And my and Barney's, starting with Barney's, like I would not have my business unless I started with these retailers. So I think that wholesale is super important. And I'm really devoted to my wholesale partners and we work really closely with them and their customers. And their customers, you know, most of the time were not my customers and then they became my customers. So that's what the beauty is. You get all these new eyes and 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 people that you wouldn't have gotten before because they are devoted to Neiman Marcus or they're devoted to Net-A-Porte. And then you're part of that. What I will tell you is if you can build a strong website and a strong Instagram or whatever platform you feel is your best customer, TikTok or whatever that may be, Snapchat, I don't really know. Mine is mine is Instagram. Being able to bridge that margin for yourself and sell direct to consumer is massive. And you're going to make a lot more money and you're going to have a very close relationship with your customer and your clients, and it's going to be great for you. So I think if you can find a way to do both, you're you're in good shape. But if you have to choose one, you're probably going to do your own. Yes. What makes a, a strong website? Um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think we're still trying to figure out. Listen, I'm all about clarity in life, in every single aspect of my life. So when I go on a website, I'm not trying to see anything cool or like something pop out at me. I want to see the product. I want to see how it looks on and I want to see how much it is. You know what I mean? And I want it to be clear and that's it. So I think the clearer the website is, I think invest in photos. That's a really important investment. And make sure that people can see what the product is from all angles and that you don't have a lot of questions. Um, and then it's just really clear. Right on. Are you? You don't have to get too fancy. Do you have a store? You don't have your own store. You have one store. Yes. More stores. You need more. Anyway, what what's the state of stores? <laughs> I love my store. It opened right, really opened like a year before the pandemic, and it is just doing amazing. And it's in Pacific Palisades, and I love the area. And it's like my little jewel box. And I think that. It's so great because people can really walk in and feel what it all feels like. You know, what the collection feels like, what my little world is. Um, I don't know about more stores. I haven't, that's not at the top of my list at the moment, but I think a store is great. Yes. Well, would you say you're in the luxury fine jewelry space? Like we're going through, I don't know, inflation and the looming recession. Like is luxury recession proof? Like, would you say, like, how would you describe it? You know, for us personally, I still think that people love nice things and people love things that they know will withstand the test of time and people still have gifts to buy and people still love to invest in pieces for themselves. And I think that people knowing that something is going to be a piece that they wear forever, that they like to invest in it and they're happy to invest in it. And, um, so far, so good. Yes, our economy is 
having some issues right now. And it's scary and it's awful. But I do think that, you know, if you're going to buy things, you want to buy things that don't feel frivolous in the sense of like, oh, maybe I won't like this in a year or two. Like you want to love it, you know? So we're so far so good. We're in good shape. Let's talk goals, plans, take it where you want. I want to say the next 12 months, but maybe a little longer, five years, five-year plan. What what can we, what will Jennifer Meyer look like? I mean, I'm still designing jewelry and that is my number one thing. And I love designing jewelry and I will stay in the fine jewelry space forever. You know, I will always make that like the core of my company. I think it's been incredible expanding into perfume and home and, you know, what that world looks like. And it came really naturally to me. I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but I think that it it really it's been doing so well. And I love that people love the fragrance. And I think that, you know, we'll see where that all takes me right now. For sure. Last question. Gosh, you mentioned Jennifer Aniston early on. I mean, I when I was Googling around about you, I mean, Meghan Markle's name popped up. You have a lot of celeb fans, let's say. I'm sure that really speaks to the power of the influencer in this new day and age. But yeah, what does that do? I mean, first of all, influencers, a piece of the pie in terms of marketing, um, maybe the the platform native influencers, I would say, tra- in the traditional sense. Um, or yeah, I, is everything very just happening organically? And I mean, good for you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Well, I'll say with fine jewelry is I've never done like jewelry gifting, you know, so you can't just send out 50 pieces of, you know, a thousand dollar necklace. That's not sustainable. You know what I mean? So, um, all the people that wear it either have bought it or asked to borrow it through a stylist. I would say, you know, Jennifer Aniston has been a client from the beginning and amazing and incredibly supportive of my company. Um, Meghan Markle at the time, she bought all her pieces that you can't, you know, there's, you don't gift there. So that was just pure luck um, of, you know, her wearing those pieces and people really gravitating towards them. And yeah, there's, there's a long list. There's a long list. And listen, it doesn't hurt to have people, you know, who are getting photographed wearing your jewelry at all or any of your pieces. But you want it to feel organic and you you want people to want to wear it and to want to buy it, not just be, you know, like I'm going to wear it once and I'm going to be done. You want to make people customers, clients for, you know, forever. That's how you're going to grow. I love it. We can end on that note. It's like you want to be successful, make things that are covetable by <laughs> A-listers and everybody and anybody anyway. For well, sure. I, I will say, though, Yes, it's really nice when people of notoriety are wearing your jewelry, but like they're not keeping my business open. You know what I mean? I need I need customers all over the world to buy the jewelry. So I think continuing to make pieces that are well-made and that you love and that tell your story and then everything else will come, you know? And I'm very lucky with the people that support me, but I think they wear it because they love it, not because, you know, they like me. Although wouldn't that be nice? Just always work because they like me. But unfortunately, it's just not how it's going to go, you know? 
Yeah, you said around the world. Like, talk to me about global aspirations. Like, are, right now we are in the States and no, there's more. You know what? My jewelry sold everywhere. And um, obviously it does the, the, most, the, the most amazing in the States. But, you know, there's a, there's a customer out there. And I'm launching, um, finally launching uh, at Harrods next week. So that's really exciting. And, you know, just little expansions all over the place. <laughs> Jennifer, good note to end it on. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.